0: Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace and success. I'm Ashley Meltite. This time, ever been asked to do a bit of office housework?
1: There was a time where I was asked to order lunch and I just said I'd rather John ordered lunch as I'm already in charge of meals at home. Great comeback. But it's not always easy to push back on those requests.
0: Coming up, why women and particularly women of colour end up doing so much extracurricular work – and what we can do about it. Ruchika Tulshian lives in Seattle, one of several cities she's lived in over the years.
1: I was born and brought up in Singapore, and I identify as a Singaporean. My parents were immigrants from India, so, you know, I speak the language. I also identify as Indians, so Singaporean Indian.
0: She went to university in the UK, spent a little time working in India and Singapore, and later moved to the US. She's in her early thirties, married with a little boy. She's a journalist and a professor and an author. Her book is called *The Diversity Advantage: Fixing Gender Inequality in the Workplace*. And over the years, Rachika has found herself involved in tasks at work that aren't strictly speaking anything to do with her job. They're more administrative tasks, extra stuff she's been asked to take on to help out, to make sure things run properly. And you might say, well, look, who doesn't end up doing stuff at work that isn't in their job description? It's called mucking in. Everyone does it. Well, maybe not everyone. Ruchika recently wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review called Women of Colour Get Asked to Do More Office Housework. Here's How They Can Say No. I asked her when she first noticed these
1: requests. Where I really started feeling it when I was a woman in technology, where I was asked to do some really, really just things that were not at all part of my job description. I was hired as a content strategist, as a manager. And within the first week of my job, there was this big conference the organization was putting on and I was expected to kind of be there to help set up and and tear everything down and be part of everything, you know. And and at that time it was sold as it's all hands-on-deck, but I just couldn't help but think that all the people doing the all-hands-on-deck work were largely women.
0: Ruchika's experience is borne out by research. Joan Williams is a big name in the women and workspace. She's a professor at the Center for Work-Life Law at the University of California, Hastings College of the Law. Her research has shown that women and people of colour, both sexes, are more likely to do these kinds of unsung but necessary tasks than anyone else. They also report having less access than white men to top assignments. People expect women to be helpful and focused on others. And according to Williams, they also expect women to say yes to this stuff more than men, which we often do because we don't want to be labelled difficult. And all sorts of racial stereotypes can play in here, too. Rachika says she wanted to write her article because when we talk about women and work, we don't distinguish enough between the experiences of women of colour and white women.
1: Even in other work that I've done when I've interviewed, for example, Asian women or Asian American women, they're very much expected to always defer and be submissive and sort of, and always say yes, and, and, you know, do all the hard work, but not really have leadership capabilities. And, and I've had women tell me this and show me performance review examples of where these sorts of words and terminology was used, you know. And I've had multiple African American women I've spoken to over the years who have told me instances of being called angry black women or being perceived in that way or receiving feedback that would call them aggressive. Or difficult to work with. So just talking to women of colour about the stereotypes that exist beyond being women, I think that's an extra layer that we don't see nearly enough being written about, being talked about.
0: What would you say are some of the most common examples of this office housework? I mean, I, the one I think of a lot is the being in a meeting and you, you're the one who's turned to to order lunch.
1: Oh, definitely. So I'm really also interested in breaking down the stereotype of what office housework is. So yes, there are very typical common um, examples such as being asked and expected to order lunch, being asked and expected to, you know, maybe even load the dishwasher or sort of do a little bit of, you know, clean up after a meeting or put, you know, rearrange the chairs or whatever it is. So there's actual physical, office housework that you can then equate to housework that you would do at home but then there's office housework that goes beyond that and that's where I think sometimes even after this article I got a lot of feedback from men and women saying you know no I've never been asked to order lunch or no I uh, you know I a man will say oh well I've never witnessed a woman being asked to order lunch, and I think the dynamics at every organization are very different. So in academia, this is this is a, a path that I'm getting more and more familiar with. Where in academia, it's you know it, again depends on the institution, but it'll be rare that a professor, or a female professor of color, will be asked to, for example, load the dishwasher or order lunch. But where you really see it play out is sitting on academic committees, which do not lead to promotion, which would not lead to tenure track. There's research in this area, too. A study by two female
0: academics showed that women professors do more work on committees than male professors do, but they do less research. And new research in your area of study? That's what can turn a professor into a star. So the men are doing more of the work that can boost their academic careers. The women are doing more of the everyday stuff.
1: This is the work that the organisation needs to keep chugging along. And so I really want to clarify that office housework, yes, it relates to tasks that you can equate to to housework at home as well, but it also equates to tasks that perhaps you wouldn't associate with actual housework. So, you know, mentoring um, for hours on end, maybe per week, but never having that reflected in a performance review or never having that be considered when it comes to time for promotion. And women are disproportionately expected to do the heavy lifting when it comes to this kind of work.
0: So what can people do about it? I mean, how can you elegantly refuse a a request or, or sort of push back an assumption that you're going to be the person to do whatever it is?
1: Yeah, so one thing that I really wanted to put out there right away that I don't I don't at all think it's the woman and the woman of color's job to figure this one out, right? And I think it's always tricky. And that was really one of the reasons why I wrote my book in the first place that I thought I think a lot of the existing literature, including things like Lean In, really focus on on expecting and asking women to change their behavior um so you know negotiating better leaning in et cetera. and i think a lot of the way we'll really see changes that are quantifiable and really that will change the way that organizations operate is when when people in leadership positions who are overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly white when they turn around and say okay this is a problem and here's how i'm going to change it obviously that
0: would be great And I'm going to post an article by Joan Williams that has recommendations for managers and executives on just this topic under this episode at
1: thebroadexperience.com. But in the meantime, there are some tools at your disposal. Having a very, very strong sort of refusal in place, you know, just literally saying I was hired to do this and I don't think that's going to be helpful, right? Or it's going to actually take away time from the work that's really important to this organisation, collecting data, right, evidence of what sort of work you're asked to do, what does office housework really look like. In her piece, Richika talks about a woman who keeps a list of all
0: the revenue generating tasks she's responsible for, as well as the other non-revenue generating expectations that are put on her. She also created lists for the men at her same level at her company, and she took them all to her boss. That made it easier for her to say, look, I'm already doing X and Y. Those are important to the organisation. I don't have time to take on Z, or even Z.
1: By the way, not only was that really useful for that, but I also think one thing I I I see men do this much more often than women is actually make a list of all the work that you actually are doing, and I think and I and and I actually learned this from working in tech. So I had a male boss who was extremely supportive, and he would really ask me on a regular basis to make a list of the work that I was doing. You know, positive revenue generating work too, and. I got into that habit from that role where I would, you know, every couple of weeks, I would sit down and I just kind of list, okay, here's what I was able to do. Here's what I was able to accomplish. So I think that's super important. Anyway, anytime you're making a case to, you know, whether it's promotion or whatever it is, but it also then gives you that leg up when you're being asked to do things that are not necessarily, again, relevant to those amazing glamorous things that you are responsible for that you are achieving or even the unglamorous things
0: that are still a big, important part of your job. Also, if you're racking up office housework tasks, Richika says start keeping a record of how often it happens. It's much harder for a manager to think of you as petty or difficult for declining to take notes at a meeting if you have a record of the number of meetings you've already taken notes at. That's his or her opportunity to set up a rotation for taking the meeting minutes. Just going back to the first point that you made about sort of making this making this case look, um, I was hired to do X and this would take me away from that, I mean that thinking I mean I can't imagine saying that, right? And I'm in my forties. I mean I mean, how is a young woman that I think it's really tricky. I think it, it's such a fine line or it's such a difficult communication As to how you actually do this. And obviously, it's very much going to depend on the person you're speaking to, what your relationship is with them. But I I mean, unfortunately, women do tend to have to soften things. And I think just boldly stating, I was hired to do this. I'm afraid I can't do that. I can see that not working for a lot of women, particularly in certain countries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's, and, and for me personally, I don't know, depending on the situation, certainly when I was earlier in my career, I definitely couldn't go up to someone and say, I was hired to do this and this would, it would take time away from that. But what I've found to work, and this has actually worked for me, and bear in mind that not only am I a woman of color, but I was actually born and brought up outside the United States. So being here in the United States and the very sort of, Open culture but also where direct in in many ways culture is is new to me right I grew up in Asia which is very different Um, and I in hierarchy both by age and certainly by gender really exists so um, in the past what I've used here in the U.S. and to to really good success has been you know I'm working on this very important project and I'm worried I won't have the bandwidth to be helpful for this situation
0: so turn it around and in womanly fashion, make it about your concern for the project. She says the way you push back has to be
1: authentic to you. And this feels very her. I do speak in a way that's sort of a little more, um, you know, I'm I'm worried this won't work out or I'm not sure this is right for me. And I, and that's just authentically who I am. And, and I'm sure we can have a whole different episode about how women are perceived when we speak. Um, But that seemed to work for me.
0: So for another view, here's Jen Yip. She's been on the show before in episode 57, Women, Work and Stress. And she responded to a post about this topic on the Facebook page. She left me a voice memo afterwards talking about how she came to handle these requests. She says she got this a lot earlier in her career in tech. Then she started thinking of ways to push back. It required finesse and increasing confidence over time. I did not want to be tagged as difficult or not a team player. Prime examples were ordering lunch, scheduling meetings, booking conference rooms, sending out meeting recap notes, even if they were not my meetings. My go-to response, this would best be handled by, insert name here, who owns this project or meeting or agenda. If they need support, insert appropriate resource here, can probably assist. I realized saying this unapologetically and in a way that is not asking for permission is critically important. Being affirmative made a big difference in not only delivering the message, but also setting perception. There was rarely a second or third instance where I was assumed or asked to take on administrative chores." Okay, so that method worked for Jen, though as she points out it took some years to feel comfortable saying that stuff. But of course there are other options. Rachika says she's not exactly Ms. Humorous in her daily life, but if humour's your thing, it can be a
1: great way of deflecting expectations. There was a time where I was asked to order lunch and I just said I'd rather John ordered lunch as I'm already in charge of meals at home and, you know, sort of shrugging it off and laughing it off. Humour also tends to puncture any tension and it keeps everyone on side. I know humour in somewhere like the UK or, you know, even in Australia and a few other countries would would really resonate well and would probably be sort of really seen in a very positive way. And and in the US, from my observation, I think it's very industry and organisation specific. I agree.
0: And humour in email in America? Sarcastic Brits, Irish and Aussies should stay away unless you know the person well, as I learned to my cost. Richika says
1: it may seem obvious, but you might just want to confer with a bunch of colleagues. In those situations, having a sort of board of directors, allies, who you can turn to and say, you know, what do you think? How how can I respond to this? Does this sound authentic? I mean, some of the women I interviewed literally talked about having these conversations with women and actually getting feedback. I mean, we need to understand how egregious and how widespread this problem is. It's ridiculous to me that women have to go the extra mile to cultivate a network to practice saying no. And yet, when I mention this, and when I wrote the article for Forbes years ago, and then now uh, when I mention it, women immediately say, "That's a great idea. I think I'm going to do that." So we need to we need to really, if we're talking about gender inequity, yes, there are the large, huge issues, you know, pay inequity, difficulty to get promoted, etc. But a lot of these seemingly innocuous discrimination and things that happen. I think that's also very much to blame and we don't talk about these issues nearly enough. What do you think?
0: I'd love to hear from you about how you handle any expectations to take on work that doesn't lead to glory and may keep you away from the stuff that would get you promoted, particularly if you're a woman of color. Send me a voice memo so I can include you and your tips in an upcoming show, or you can email me or tweet me or post on the Facebook page. I love including listeners in the show. Thanks to Rachika Tulsian for being my guest on this show. She is also a listener. I will post show notes and a transcript under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. That's The Broad Experience for this time. I'm Ashley milne Thanks for listening.